You are listening to Written in the Stars, Books and Beyond, where hosts from the LCC Library sit down with writers, publishers, entrepreneurs, and literary enthusiasts of all types. Join your hosts, Amy Ewald, Robin Moore, John Salaiji, and Abby Tebow as we explore the very heart of the written word. Welcome to Written in the Stars, Books and Beyond. My name is Robin Moore, and I'm joined by my co-host, Amy Ewald. Today, we have the pleasure of hosting journal enthusiast Jordan McIntyre, who will be discussing her personal experiences with journaling. Welcome, Jordan. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. I'm so excited (laughs) to be here. We are so excited to have you. Well, Jordan, I want to open our discussion today with a question about what inspired you to start journaling and how has it evolved over over time? Oh, okay. So going way back to the beginning, and I, I guess I should say I'm not really like a journaling expert. I just happen to have journaled for most of my life. Yeah. Um, going back to the beginning when I was young and I, I just started um, really learning how to write and also how to like express my feelings. Mm-hmm. That was really the inspiration because when you're young and you have a lot of these big feelings and they don't have places to go and you're just like, yeah. ah, there's so much inside me. What do yeah. I do? And even though it was pretty simplistic, it was like, you know, I met at my sister. <laughs> I was able to write it down and um, kind of get it out of me. And I think that's something that I've really carried with me through this whole process. Wow. I, I love that. So you said young. Yeah. How young? Oh, God. For our listeners. Um, oh, I want to say I started when I was like seven. That's amazing. Yeah, I was pretty young. That's amazing. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. So when did you know that it was journaling? You know, because <laughs> back then I called it a diary, right? Oh, okay. I'm old school, so I would say diary. <laughs> I guess I didn't really think of the, the difference between the two, but um, it was because it was something secret, something private mm. for myself. You know, like it's not like something you turn into school. It's not something you really share with your friends even. It's, it's just, well, at least in my case, it was just for me. Yeah, that's one of the best parts about journaling is it's it's for you. You do it for you, you know, and there's all different types of journaling that you can do. Do you have a specific type that that you like to do? Do you like to do bullet journals or travel journals or? Um, I kind of do it more free form, I suppose. Mm. So just whatever I need in that moment, whatever comes to me on that day. Um, you know, sometimes I might be struggling with a problem and then I'll kind of write it down to work through it, to parse it so I can digest it better, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but other times I'll write about things I'm excited about or mm. things I'm looking forward to or goals I have. So I like that. Yeah, yeah. it really just depends. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Were well, you going to say something? Amy? Uh, we well, love to journal. Yeah. Both of us are journal enthusiasts as we well. <laughs> um, so I love that that you've mentioned a few times of like kind of what's in your head of getting it out yeah. in some way. That's just for you. Right. Just for your own personal <laughs> exploration yeah. to kind of get it out of your head sometimes and onto the page can be so beneficial. Absolutely. And, yeah. I, I kind of see it as a almost a form of meditation yeah. in a way. Yeah. Because um, you're really sitting with your feelings or, mm. um, you know, with different conflicts you might have going on. So, yeah, yeah. it's very uh, therapeutic for me. Yeah, it's very much. So it's like counseling. It's like my own counseling. Yes, right. Exactly. So when I'm not in therapy with my therapist, I just act as a therapist <laughs> and I write. So, you know, the next question I was going to ask was about prompting in. in but you got to share that already. Like what prompts you to journaling or how do you get started with journaling? Yeah. Um, yeah. So. 
I mean, like I said, it depends on the day, yeah. but I try not to pressure myself too mm. much. You know, like I don't go in thinking I'm going to write five pages on what I did today or anything like that. It's yeah. just, I sit down with a pen and a notebook and what comes to me or what's bothering me or yeah. So it really just depends. <laughs> yeah. Do you, how do you make time for it? Um, Jordan is a, a busy lady. She's, <laughs> she works full time and she has a, a little one now. Oh. He's what over just over a year. Uh, he's almost two now. He's oh almost two. Yeah. So she's very busy. So how do you have a certain time of day that, that you set aside to journal or I think my favorite time of day is going to be at the very end like mm. right before I sleep I try to do at least 15 minutes of journaling mm. it doesn't always work I yeah. mean let's be honest sometimes yeah. life gets in the way right <laughs> with a toddler at home oh, oh my word it is sometimes <laughs> a lot but yeah. um yeah I try to set aside at least 15 minutes before bedtime because that's kind of the best time when you're at the very end of your day mm -hmm. you can process what happened and I think actually it kind of helps going into sleep to have written it out at mm -hmm. least for me yeah, yeah. that is true it, it, it's such a therapeutic kind of practice yeah and kind of a way to again empty those thoughts I just read something that they were saying it was really good for uh, if you have a lot of anxious overthinking mm. racing thoughts um, getting yeah. them out on paper and in some form or even they have a lot of digital diary type yeah. things that you can do too mm -hmm. I like how you you said that you you journal at night and that's that's amazing because I always fall asleep when I try to journal <laughs> at night mm -hmm. so I journal in the morning and I start with prayer I command yeah. my day with my journal and then I do a little bit of self-reflection and I think that, that's great. Yeah, yeah, I do. And then for professional, I use a bullet journal for my task. So mm -hmm. what's, what are some different types? I'm going back, Amy, a little bit because I want to know that's more okay. about yeah. the types of journaling. Yeah. So what other types of or do you use any other types of journaling, like a bullet journal? I, I sound like you You sounds like you already do reflection journaling, mm -hmm. um, travel uh, journal, fitness journal, anything like yeah, that. Yeah. So another one that I do, um, which actually I just started mm. within the past year is um passion planner oh my favorite you know I love passion yeah <laughs> we have that we have that I love the passion plan yeah so I love the way it kind of breaks it down into mm -hmm. each day and you've got you know your your focus for the day yes. and you you know the steps to work towards your goals mm -hmm. so that one is very goal oriented which is you know different than a reflection journal sometimes yeah but I enjoy it too yeah and that's the journal I use for well professional and and personal mm -hmm. I just set my goals I love my passion planner I've been using a passion planner for a about three years now, Anicia Dillard introduced me to the Passion Planner. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I it love is. it. I'm going to so. have to check this out. Oh, I'll buy you one. <laughs> That's my gift for you. I'm getting her a Passion Planner. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. It really is. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. That, I, that I'm not familiar with. I, I tend to do my journaling more in the evenings. And mm. then I also kind of like to sit on the weekends on like a Saturday or Sunday. And I'll think about my week coming up write some things down if I want to focus on something mm -hmm. and then also take a moment to reflect on, on the week that just went by and if if I miss something and then I, I try to write at least five ten minutes write just a few things down yeah. I do a lot more of like kind of bullet journaling type yeah. stuff so. I love that having that yeah. like on the weekend though 
kind yeah. of like a sum up of like yeah. what what went down this right. week and <laughs> yeah what, what what was good about this last week maybe yeah. not so good mm. and then it also helps me to kind of set some intentions for the upcoming week yes. you know yeah. and kind of with with that I like to sit down I'll do some meal planning as well like for that. the week and just think about how the week's going to go and oh. how I want it to go or yeah. would like it to go <laughs> I like that yeah uh, so did you ever get on tr- off track in that journal like for months or weeks or absolutely oh. yeah yeah. And yeah. I don't think that makes me any less of a journaler. No, so, you know, that. if we have folks out there listening who yeah, are like, yeah. oh, I can't journal because I can't stick with it. Like, mm-hmm. that doesn't matter. It's OK. You can come back to it when you need it. Yeah. Like, can you share with the audience? How do you get back on track? Oh, that's do you a just good dive question. in or or do you? I mean, what does that look like? Um, Oftentimes it comes from a visual cue. Mm. So I like to keep my journals in plain view. I know some people might like to put them away, but. It kind of reminds me of like, hey, here's this tool that you have. Here's this thing that you can do to help you feel a little bit better sometimes or to help you process. So, yeah, totally understandable. Life gets in the way. We get busy. That's, you know, that's normal. Right. But I mean, I find journaling so helpful. Yes. That when I come back to it after those, you know, little pauses, I'm like, oh, wow, this is really helpful. Like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. why, why haven't I been doing this? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I've, I've taken breaks too. And in fact, I think all of last year I, I didn't journal at all. And so one of my new year's resolutions to kind of come back to it. So I find that I just, you know, pick it up. Yeah. Start doing it. That's really all there is. In fact, yeah. I missed a week here in January and I was like, well, you didn't do it that whole week. And so I just, okay. Well, it's a new week, so yeah. here we go. Yeah, and, <laughs> and you know what? It back up. I I like that because I think it's important not to pressure yourself. Yes. Right? Like if you tell yourself, I must journal every day, mm. it, it almost could feel like a chore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, go easy on yourself. It's okay if you miss a day. It's okay if you miss a week or a right. month even. Oh, you're Show amazing. yourself some grace, yes, you yes, know? Yes, yes. And we grace. do. We have so much stuff going mm-hmm. all the time. Go easy on yourself. I like I, that. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. <laughs> I'm sure the listeners are happy to hear that. The ones that have fallen <laughs> off and are like, oh my gosh, I got to get back on. So so that's good. Thank you for sharing. Jordan, now, you've been journaling for a while now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Do you ever go back and reflect or read previous journals? Yes, oh. 100%. Let's talk about it. <laughs> I think that's one of the major like positive benefits mm. of journaling is you can look back on a certain point in time yeah. and see who you were then, Ugh. see your mindset and how you were processing things. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll tell you, you will notice how much you've changed. Yes. Like in the space from that point in time until the present, you'll be like, oh my gosh, I have, you know, matured or I've yeah. really grown in this particular part of my life. So I, yes. I love doing that. Yes. Yes. So do I. It's self-reflection. I yes. love, I've got journals uh, 10 years old and I love to go back and look at who I was and what was yes. I writing about and and then I, you know and then I have grace for myself that helps exactly. me out a great deal thank you for sharing that no, I, I love this conversation I love that you brought that up because mm-hmm. I'll look on I'll look on the the journals that I've written and you know my past self and I'll be like wow I was really going through a lot but like you know I, I soldiered through it and I'm really proud of myself oh, say that again what'd you do I soldiered That's through it, it. <laughs> yeah. I love it I love it I know it is nice to sort of look back and see, uh, like you said, wow, that was a really hard time in my Mm -hmm. life. And, you know, you can kind of point to the things that helped, you know, you got you through that time um, and then how far you've come. So that's a wonderful thing. I will also say, though, sometimes, too, 
sometimes it can be a little traumatic to maybe if, especially mm. if it's a very traumatic or there's a lot of trauma associated with that. So sometimes it, it might be a little challenging to go back and read um, and it might be a little triggering. So yeah. on that one, I would say use your best judgment. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And journaling is about getting it out right mm-hmm. on paper of what's in your head. And that could be a lot of trauma too. Yeah. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Speaking of paper, right? Cause you can now do digital journals. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Jordan, do you use a fancy journal with all the glitters <laughs> and the glam or do you just use a regular notebook or do you just get a scrap piece of paper? Um, or do you use stickers? Do you use color yeah. pencils? She's got a tell of her journals. Yeah, she she yeah. 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 So, um, this is actually my most current journal. So for a Listeners, it's um, it's a little one with little hedgehogs on it and Aww. some little sparkly bits. Um, you know, I don't think it really has to be that fancy. I think I got mm-hmm. this for like nine dollars or mm-hmm. something. I do prefer it to be cohesive. So if I write something down on a scrap piece of paper, then I'll put it in my journal later right. um, because I like to have it all in one place. But in terms of the journal itself, it doesn't matter. I've got all kinds. Yeah, um, just whatever I. Whatever catches my eye at the I, time. Yeah. Oh, for me, whatever's on sale. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you uh, do you use colored markers and stuff? I love stickers. I'm just, call me sticker lady. Um, I use, like, different colors for my passion planner. So, mm. like, for the goal-oriented mm-hmm. stuff. But for just reflection, journaling, I just use a pen that doesn't smear. That's kind oh, yeah. of the, <laughs> the most important thing. I love it. I love it. I love it. You were just saying that you you've, you saw one at Kroger. Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. Oh, travel journal. That so excited because I am a bargain shopper. <laughs> so I was at Kroger and um, just kind of roaming around getting my groceries. And I saw this little clearance rack and it had a little travel journal. And I picked it up for like two bucks. And then I forgot to tell you, Amy, it also had like a passport um, holder. So I got them both. I got the journal yeah. and oh, the passport yes. holder. But um, so I've been um, recording my traveling, my experiences with traveling. I love that. Uh, yep. I, when we went to Tennessee, I wrote about that trip. And I didn't realize that I was actually journaling traveling before I got the travel journal, because when we went to Orlando, I was writing down everything. But it was just on a on my little purse, I carry this little purse journal, but yeah. it was on my purse journal. It was like everywhere we went, places I want to go see next time, how much money we spent, mm-hmm. where we ate. So the traveling journal is really helpful because now my daughter lives in Chicago. When I go to Chicago, if I see a restaurant I want to go to, I just put it in my travel journal. Oh, that's amazing. So then I'll go back and I'll say, okay, I want to visit this spot next time I come back. Yeah. So yeah, a travel journal is really neat. I, I, I enjoy doing that. And then now. you have a whole account of like I do your experiences. Yes, yes. And yeah, that's, that's important. True. The experience in journaling is an experience. Yeah. It's a very positive experience. Let's talk about the benefits of it. Sure. Let's talk about that. So studies have shown that there's many health and good benefits to journaling. So how has journaling helped you and impacted your life, Jordan? So for me, it was really beneficial because I, well, I'm kind of an emotional person. Mm. I I feel things quite deeply. So I needed a way to process all of that. Um, So journaling has really been kind of like therapy, like we said earlier. Um, It's a way for me to get things out of my system to really digest them. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's probably been the biggest benefit. And I do think that there is a positive like mental health benefit Mm -hmm. from journaling. Yeah. Research has, has shown that that there is a 
definitely the stress relief, mindfulness, process emotions, yeah. self-discovery, all of these things are, are benefits. And even those physical benefits, I think yeah. like, one thing I read it, like it, even lowering your blood pressure. Mm. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. It's a very therapeutic act. Yes. For that's sure. a great word for it. Therapeutic. It is. So let's see, we've all worked in libraries. We're all librarians <laughs> here. So, so let's talk for a minute about some famous journals and diaries here. Um, Jordan, do you have any famous diaries or journals that you can think of or maybe books on journaling? Oh, wow. Um, you know, genuinely, I can't think of any famous journalers <laughs> that I follow. <laughs> I've got one. Oh, yeah. What is it? Well, a book I read years ago, The Diary of Anne Frank. Oh, of course. I went into that space. Yeah. I would have never known if I hadn't read that book, right? The Diary of Anne Frank. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, back then we called it a diary. It wasn't yeah. a journal. It was a yeah. diary. I think oh, there's yeah. a little, there's always that idea of thinking, you know, dear diary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you think of journaling, you think of that. Yeah. Um, but it, it's so much, it can be so much more than, Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like so you said, like, when you were, when you were young, I'm mad at my sister today. <laughs> but um, as, as you get older, it does change. But the, but yes, the diary of Anne Frank, I think yeah. that's probably the most famous diary that yeah. that I can certainly think of. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about a book by, by Judy Bloom. Um Oh God or My God is me Margaret. Was that Oh, diary? are you there God? Are you, are you there Margaret? God? Is, it was yeah. that a diary. I, you know, I can't remember. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. I know that was just turned into a movie. It was. Too. Yeah. Interesting. I just thought about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I do enjoy books that kind of have that mm. that format. Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of well, uh Bridget Jones's diary. Yeah. Yeah. One actually one of my favorites. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, great. Jordan, I'm so happy that you joined us today. Yes. Thank you for being here today. Our time is just about up. And thanks for sharing your experiences with journaling. Oh, and I'm happy to. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was a very fun conversation. So um, so thank you for being here. Uh, and if anybody is interested too, in our show notes, we'll have a couple links to a couple of nice articles on journaling if you're interested in learning more and you want to find out some good journal prompts as well. And then uh, if you, you can listen to today's episode or previous episodes of Written in the Stars on lccconnect.com. And thanks again for being here, Jordan. Oh, thank you. You have been listening to Written in the Stars, Books and Beyond. Visit lcc.edu slash library to find the titles discussed in this episode. You can find previous episodes of Written in the Stars and other LCC Connect shows at lccconnect.com. In the words of Miguel de Unamuno, I hope, reader, we shall meet again and we shall recognize each other. Connected with LCC Connect at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. K-12 Operations at Lansing Community College is a proud collaborator of the Lansing Promise Scholarship, offering graduating high school seniors who live within the Lansing School District and attend a high school within district boundaries an opportunity to attend LCC. 
The scholarship offers 65 credits over the course of four years from high school graduation. For more information on the Lansing Promise Scholarship at LCC, please visit lcc.edu hope. For our troops and their families, the military is more than a career. It's a journey, and every step along the way, the USO is there. It's an experience that that soldier will never forget for the rest of his life. That's what the USO does. From the time they join to the time they transition out of the military, the USO is there, offering programs and support along the way. The USO has tons of programs, how to do a job interview, what to wear, what not to wear, knowing that there was going to be a life after the military. For over 70 years, the USO has continued to meet the needs of our troops and their families, standing with them when it counts. We all got to watch pretty much his last goodbye right before we were notified he was gone. Without the USO, it wouldn't be possible for me and my children to watch Jared tell us that he loves us. These are memories that we'll have forever. Be a part of their journey. Learn more today at USO.org. By utilizing interactive activities, the Youth Summer Camp at LCC gives kids in grades 2 through 12 the chance to explore science, technology, engineering, arts, and mathematics. Scholarship opportunities are available. Details can be found at lcc.edu slash seriousfun. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. This is Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, a podcast and radio program presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. Most any contemporary musical style can trace its roots back to the blues. Time Signatures explores the blues and its musical connections with captivating interviews, lively discussions, and news from the world of the blues. Now, here he is, your host, Jim Irvin. Hey, yes, we are home. Thank you so much, Parker. Appreciate that. My name's Jim Irvin. This is Time Signatures. We're glad to have you along. And my guest once again today is the number one blues man, Larry McRae. I love the way you start those videos. Whenever you do, hey, it's your number one blues man, Larry McRae, and you get right into it and... Uh, promoting good things, good shows, and whatnot. Thank you for so much for uh, for sticking around. Glad to have you back again. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. All right, we're glad to have you, and uh, let's get right into it, man. I I have to ask you, Larry, if you hadn't become a musician, what do you think you'd be doing right now? Well, if I hadn't been a musician, I don't know. I probably would be a retired guy from. General Motors. I started working out there when I was eighteen years old. Okay. I'd probably be some old retired guy that. Hangs around and go fishing and try to find a pool game every now and then. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> pretty pretty simple lifestyle though. Yeah, and and you know, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I also worked for General Motors for a while uh, until the uh, the economy collapsed in twenty oh eight and twenty oh nine, and and life That's changed crazy. for me as well. But yeah, I understand what you're talking about. I had my my sights set on retirement at sixty two, and that was my plan, man. Give me thirty years, and I'm gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what, though, I really I really do have a deep appreciation for the simple side of life. Yes, and having uh, the experience that I've had the last thirty some years, it made me appreciate it even more. So 
when I'm home, I love just sitting here and listening to the corn grow. It's really nice to be at home and just to be relaxed and be at home, you know, see some of your friends and stuff. And, and you live in the Bay City area, right? I do. Which is my hometown. I grew up in the South End. I graduated from Bay City Central. And uh, here's what you have to do, man. Do you, do you like perch? Oh, yeah. You, you got to go visit the Oasis over there on Kosciusko and get yourself a mess of perch and enjoy it for oh, me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I know the old. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there in a long time, Jim. And then, and then when you're done there, you got to run over to St. Lawrence Brothers and pick up some some goodies, peanut clusters or something sweet, right? <laughs> right down by the river? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you probably don't. I don't know. You probably weren't around in that time, but back in the seventies, there used to be a swing span bridge right there, and it fell in the river. And it was right there where Third Street crosses the bridge and turns into Midland. Yeah, I remember. Okay. I remember. I come here in seventy one or two. Oh 70. man, okay. So, so we were in the same yeah. neighborhood for a while, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I grew up in Saginaw. Right. Okay. But I started coming to Bay City. In 78, when I, when I turned 18, and I would come over to um, Jerry Dietzel's father's bar, which was uh, right in the point where that weird thing they stand. The whole street used to jog there and everything, and in that point right there was the bar. Okay. And we would come over here, Jim. We weren't making no very much money or whatever. We'd make $30, $20, $30 a piece. But we would drink all the cold beer we wanted, man, in the Mason Jaws, <laughs> in the Frosty Jaws, and... Boy, 17, 18-year-old boys, that was good enough. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Larry, I got to ask you, man, talk about your creative process when you're putting music together. How do you begin? Is it a tune? Is it words? How do you start? Take us through that process. Well, usually when I, when I try to write something, I'm usually walking around on the acoustic guitar. Okay. And I do that because the acoustic guitar have no enhancement. If you don't put no music into the acoustic guitar, no music comes out of it. Right. So with that being said, it's stripped all the way down. It's all according to your intent. If I'm happy, I'm looking for something jumpy and funky with a good rhythmic content. If I'm doing something, trying to write a ballad or something, then I'm trying to put some chords together that will allow you to evoke a little emotion, you know, in sure. what you're trying to sing. Those are my two basic approach, but you know, you change your rhythm according to your frame of mind. Then once I have a, a, a rhythm concept and a line, I get me some chords working together and try to get me a chord change worked out. Then once I know all my parameters, it's all about filling in the blanks with vocals. Right. So that's what I do. I get the rhythm section together. I get a beat. I get a chord change and get everything worked out, you know, with my changes. Then I fill in the blanks with words. And you know, one of the things that I respect about your music the most is I like music that makes me feel. I like something that makes me feel good. I like something that makes me, you know, feel from the soul. As long as it make you feel something. Yeah. And, and honestly, you know, I'm not just saying this because you're here. I feel when I'm listening to your music. You evoke those emotions from people when they're listening to your music. And I love that. Not everybody can do that, well, Larry. You know what? When I was young, I wanted to be a technical player, and I wanted to go to school to learn music and all this and that and the other, and that wasn't in the cards for me. You know, my people couldn't afford to sure. send me to a music school or anything like that. 
But what I have learned over the years is that you take what you do have and embrace that and be the best with that that you can be. You be the best, whatever that, that you do have to work with, take it to its highest level of you. And that's all you can do. You know, you can take it so far. And when you ran it to the point that you don't think you can do anything with it, start mixing it in and rubbing it against what somebody else is doing. And you might come up with something different. Right. And it, and it's, mm-hmm. and it's nice when you, when you find a musician that can make you feel when you listen to their music, it's to me, it's one of the biggest joys in the world. And I don't care what genre you're listening to. I, I like to feel no matter what I'm listening to. And, uh, right, right. and it's wonderful. Well, you know, I, I was a big fan of uh, Junior Walker. Yeah. And he was a Michigan musician also. But it's one thing that's undeniable. You you have a lot of people that was more technical. You got saxophone players today that can play a million notes and blah, 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 blah. But can't none of them make you feel the way that he made you feel. Right. And they all still trying to get what he had. Some of them come close and some of them don't. But they all still trying to get it. Right. And that's just something that, that he had naturally. It didn't matter what Junior's saying, you felt it. Right. Yep. When he sang and played, you felt it. I have to ask you this. So during my interview with Chris Canis, Detroit's Prince of the Blues, yep. he said that since uh-huh. he is the Prince of the Blues and Thornetta is Detroit's Queen of the Blues, that Larry uh-huh. King should be considered the king of the, or I'm sorry, that Larry McRae <laughs> should be considered the king of the blues. Now, what are your thoughts on that? You know what? I'm I'm flattered by any recognition that someone would give me, but I would never try to put myself first. As long as I'm, long as I'm relevant, long as I'm part of it, I'm happy with being there. And you know, he he basically told me you were going to say something like that. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna push off. Oh, there's got to be somebody out there better, you know. <laughs> well, but you know what though, it is it is um good to be recognized. It is, and if potentially I could fill those shoes, hey, you know that that would that would make me feel good. But it, I I tell you what, if I was the king, I would I would be a king of my own own style and. Not, uh, I would take some of the formality out of being the king. All would be welcome as long as everybody had the right heart. You know, that's yes, sir. the most important thing. You know, um, music is a um, way of communication that breaks down a lot of barriers, and it's a special communication. So, you know, through music, we have the opportunity to touch and reach a lot of situations sometimes that we couldn't otherwise. But, you know, what I'm saying is that, you know, with whatever power that I have, I would like to use it for something positive and make it be a good thing and not be an exclusive thing like, oh, you can't get to this. But, you know, make it be a thing that everybody could find strength in. Yes, sir. My guest is Larry McRae, and you are listening to Time Signatures with Jim Irvin. Glad to have you along. We are having a great conversation. And I have to ask you, Looking back uh-huh. on your career and your body of work, was there a song that comes to mind that was the most difficult for you to complete once you got it started? You you know what? Looking looking back, I can at least say this much, and I'll be very honest with you. It have been some times that I have had blocks in the studio where I couldn't, you know, just sometimes, you know, that red light sure. hits you. And you want to you do something good. You want to do something 
worthy of being put down on the tape, but every day is not an inspirational day. And just some days, I don't care how hard you try and I don't care who you are. Just some days, you just don't have it. When you deal with those creative blocks, Larry, how do you get through them? What do you, what do you do? Well, you can either put it down and take a break from it or just try to play your way through it. Okay. Usually when you play your way through it, it's just something, you know, that you safe with playing and you know this will work and this and that and other. And it kind of uh, takes away from the creative side of it, but it's, it's, it's at least suffice to get you through that situation. And then, you know, months down the road, after you don't had a chance to listen to it and really figure out the parameters and know how you want to voice yourself, then it's a whole different story. Okay. That's usually the way it is when you record. When you make records, you're trying to find something creative and you're trying to find something that'll match, but you don't really play them to them until a, a year later. And then that's when you can melt the paint off of them. Right, right. Larry, as, as the older generation passes from the scene, and so many of them have over the last 15, 20 years, people are now yeah. looking to Larry McRae and others like you to keep the blues alive. That's got to be an incredibly weighty responsibility to bear, yes? It is, and you know why? Because it's a style and it's a way of playing that's no longer in the forefront. There's a lot of young musicians in the world right now that's where I was at 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. But the difference in terms of where I was at 30 years ago is that I've always been in this music. I, always, I was lucky enough to be born into this music and born of a culture that's not so glamorous, but out of all the hardship and strife in that life came some beautiful thoughts and expressions. And so it wasn't all bad. It all of the whole in its entirety. It was not a bad thing. You know, something good did come out of it. But, you know, I don't uh, envy nobody that didn't have to come up the way I did. You know, matter of fact, I'm proud if you didn't, you know what I'm saying? Right, yeah. But uh, by the same token, those are ways of living, those things, the the mentality, the heart, that, that's, that's fading on the way. And, you know, anybody who's not uh, close to it or perceptive enough to receive it, at some point, it might become totally lost. It might be totally a thing of the past. But, you know, when I noticed it the most is I'll talk music that I knew when I was youngster and expecting words today. You remember that song, don't you? Yeah, you yeah. remember that tune? And they'd be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and that lets you know that you get know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You know, I talk to a lot of people today, young folks, and they saw them at 30 years old. Well, you know, who do you play with and what kind of music you do? And if I said something like the Almond Brothers and they don't know, then I know they really don't know. Right, right. And that was some of the most popular music of my generation. Yes, sir. Yeah, we're not yeah. we're not that far apart in age, that's for sure. I, I, no, 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 no. I want to take you back for just a minute. Um, I got to meet a man who you mentored um, indirectly, directly, however you want to uh, phrase it, Rhett Yoakum. Mm -hmm. And Rhett shared this story about <laughs> you coming and doing a presentation at the school when he was in high school. And uh, yeah. had a drawing for a guitar, and he won the guitar. And this guy is just incredibly talented. I've gotten to hear him play a couple of times. And um, 
I, I think that it, it speaks about the, the culture that the blues has from this generation going back to the younger generation. And I think that's where you have excelled because you have had such an impact on some of these younger musicians, correct? I feel very lucky and blessed that I have. And, you know, the gentleman that you speak about, Mr. Yoakum, yes, he's sir. one of my favorites. Not only is he that way about the music, but he really understands life and what life is about, too. So many people have forgotten about family, fellowship, and your neighbor, you know. Right. A lot of people, you know, all of those things are not important, but he's cut from that same cloth, and he loves that same music. You know, he loves his family, and he takes care of his neighbors and his brothers. So what else can you say? You know, he's a, he's a healthy young man. Yes, yes. And and I have to tell you, it was a, a really cool experience when I got to see the McRae brothers play in Lansing, and Rhett was there on stage with you guys, and it was just to me, it was a, it was a, nothing but a big family jam, and uh-huh. it was so much fun. I think you had one of your cousins there singing with you that night, and um, yeah. yeah, it was, it was quite possibly one of my favorite Larry McRae concerts that I've seen to date. Well, you know, that's how we started out. We all started out all stacked around the living room, you know, drums in the middle, the bass over here, guitar over there. Mm-hmm. Maybe a horn every now and then, but, you know, everybody's singing and joining in, and that's what it's all about. You know, it's just one of those things. You know, if you can get in the same circle, then you you can share the same spirit. Absolutely. Larry, imagine walking out on stage and the audience looks bored. What are you going to do to get their attention? Oh, I generally ask them to take all their clothes off. (laughs) 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 Say something silly, you know what I'm saying. (laughs) I love it. Absolutely love it. All right. You know, do do something. I don't know. You know, you you found a way, some kind of way. Yeah. You know. I just had to throw one in there and have, have a little fun with you, man. (laughs) <laughs> so, i hope that was a good answer oh it was a wonderful answer i love it so i have to <laughs> i have to ask you man it, and we're getting close to wrapping up this uh this edition here what was the uh-huh. single best piece of advice that you've received from a fellow musician and who offered it luther allison was always in my corner and he was always giving me advice about how to be healthier on the road and my work ethics you know to stay up on my work ethics yep so i don't in terms of verbatim i can't remember exactly what he would say but it would always be something uplifting something encouraging and something about taking care of myself you know sure sure take care of yourself well i'm going to flip it around on you now i want you to imagine for a moment that you're sitting across the table from matthias latine toby lee or any of the other of a host of uh, of others that are making their way up the ladder right now in the blues, what is your best advice for these new faces in the blues genre? Well, you know, be true to yourself. Don't kid yourself. Know who you are. Compare yourself to other people that are successful, and don't let nobody outwork you. Always be the one that outwork everybody else. Work at what you do if you want to be successful. And I got somebody else I want to introduce to you. Real sure. quick, introduce yourself. Young man, say hello to my friend Jim on the radio. Hey, Jim, it's Rhett. 
Hey, <laughs> I love it, man. How you doing, buddy? Good. How's it going? Man, what an honor to have you on time. We got, you know what? We got to get you on for an episode too. Oh, that'd be fun. We are definitely going to have, because I would love for you to tell that story in your own words. This is Brett Yoakum, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, wow. We're going to work on a little music this evening. Oh, yet. man. I wish I could be a fly on the wall, guys. I love hearing you guys play. We're going to try to do it. Well, listen, Larry, it has been my honor to have you here and also uh, uh, to have Rhett pop in for a quick little uh, cameo. My guest has been Larry McRae, and you've been listening to Time Signatures with Jim Irvin. We appreciate everybody tuning in and, and checking out the program. We appreciate you helping us keep the blues alive, and we look forward to having you back again real soon, Larry. Best to you, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, we love you, brother, and keep on doing what you're doing to help keep them blues alive. Thank you. Larry McRae, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to hear more about him, if you want to check out what he's got to offer, LarryMcRaeLive.com and also uh, Spotify. If you want to listen to his music before you buy, you can check it out there. You can buy uh, his music right there on the uh, website. You can check out the tour dates and everything else. But again, thank you so much for being with us. That's going to wrap up this edition of Time Signatures with Jim Irvin. We want to thank everybody for listening, and thank you so much for helping us keep the blues alive. This has been Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. For more information on cabs, visit capitalareablues.org. You can find this episode and past episodes at lccconnect.org. The Time Signatures theme song, Michigan Roads, is used by permission and was written by Root Doctor, featuring Freddie Cunningham. Until next time, keep on keeping the blues alive. Featuring the faculty, staff, students, and others that helped to make Lansing's premier college what it is today. LCC Connect, Mid-Michigan's connection to Lansing Community College. To find out more about our featured programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Coming in April to Dart Auditorium, Lansing Community College presents My Emperor's New Clothes by Larry Shu. This musical play for children of all ages is adapted from the story by Hans Christian Andersen. Colorful, brightly comic, and a truly delightful treat. This lively theater piece is filled with funny lines, hummable songs, and fast-paced action. Performances April 5th through the 13th. For more information, visit lcc.edu slash showinfo. Who do I swim for? I swim on my high school team for my mom, who gets up at 5 o'clock every morning to take me to practice. I swim for hugs from my teammates, spaghetti dinners, and my lucky neon green goggles. I swim for Coach Murray, who pushes me to dig deep and finish strong. More than 7.7 million American teenagers participate in high school sports every year, including about 300,000 here in Michigan. They're all learning essential life lessons, like the importance of hard work, time management, and self-discipline. 
Skills that are helping them become better leaders and more active, responsible citizens. Most of all, I swim for myself because I learn more about who I am and who I want to be every time I dive into the pool. That's who I swim for. This message presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association and the Michigan Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. Lansing Community College's Business and Community Institute provides businesses with customized synergistic trainings that realize logistical opportunity. Learn more about the future of business today at lcc.edu bci. LCC. Connect. Voices. Lives. Vision. It's time for Stars on Sports, a podcast radio show dedicated to sharing stories about our athletic program at Lansing Community College. LCC Athletics has a strong tradition. 23 national championship wins. Over 170 All-Americans. 19 MCCAA All-Sports Trophies. Stars on Sports will introduce you to individuals that have contributed to our program's success and give you the backstory on what it takes to develop it. We'll also dive into and break down the topics and issues facing athletic departments across the nation and right here at LCC. This is Stars on Sports. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Stars on Sports. I am joined with our assistant AD, Stephen Cutter. And Stephen, um, today we're going to talk about who we are at LCC. And I don't think, you know, we've talked a lot about behind the scenes in the classroom here and the resources we have, but we haven't talked a lot about our success. And, you know, that's something we don't normally talk about anyway in our office because, right. you know, we just want the results to take care of themselves. Right. Having said that, before we even started this podcast, we had some great topics that I hope we can hit to at the end of the day, mascot naming, vocabulary, and what makes Cutter mad. So I hope we have time <laughs> at the end or a whole another future podcast to cover those topics. But I talked to a leadership class at a local high school recently, and when I go there, I, I try and share with them LCC because a lot of them unfortunately in this area don't know who we are and which is crazy it is crazy I mean we have a lot of students from that high school right. that come here right. and even our own student athletes you know I got a compliment at our student athlete orientation about sharing a slide of how successful we were this last year and you know you hear it in our introduction you know that and that's says enough for itself but I don't think we do well in really telling our story. And I know that's an important part of us, and we're working on different ways to do that, including our, our marketing department here at LCC. Um, we've had interns that have helped us yes. with our social media, and you know, I'm doing a weekly newsletter I send to high schools. But I'm on a, a national committee for the NJCA for a sport, and Every time I hear a, a college that's successful, I get right on the website and see what they have done or, or haven't mm -hmm. done and, and see what kind of success they have. And I've done one more recently that had 12 national championships that this committee thought was one of the best community colleges in the country. And I'm thinking, we double that. I mean, we have 23 in different sports. And when you look at other national championships that community colleges, most likely they're more than one or in one sport because of that culture or that program had done well over amount of time. And 
you know, I'm not putting all success in on national championships. We're, you know, redoing our banners in our gym right now, reorganizing them, updating them. They haven't been updated since 2017. So even going to other gymnasiums and seeing, you know, how they've organized them or what kind of success they have. And we are very fortunate for the success and support that we have had here at LCC. And it starts you know, with our college, with our coaches. Again, that's something we'll talk about, our, our traits of coaches. But You've mentioned in the past, recruiting is a big part of our business and and winning is one of the best things that helps with recruiting. We have nine sports and six of them won regional championships. So we do have that success at a high level, but we both know there's so much that goes into that. Yeah, you were mentioning earlier that you were at you know, attending a conference or online and, and, you know, they're talking about an, another college that had a lot of success and people really thought that this, this other junior college had a lot of success. And I think when we were going back and forth, it, they had about half of the national championships that, that Lansing has. So sometimes we do not do a good enough job of promoting ourselves. And, and in some ways I think that's okay because I think self-promotion is, is runs rampant today and it doesn't always need to be there, but there are times where 23 national championships and, and the national rankings and the records and all those things are really, really special, but it's a byproduct of the processes and what's, what's happening here. And it's not just, we're not just focused on what the outcomes are, but the good people and the good humans that are in our programs. Yeah, and we are fortunate with good coaching staff that recruits good student athletes that represent LCC well. I mean, we had a baseball player that was a national player of the year last mm-hmm. year. We had, I think, 15 All-Americans last year. Again, a lot of it is hard work and, and dedication and not, yeah, I don't want to sit here and, you know, just toot our own horn and say, you know, we are what we are. But other factors that we work hard on is and even in recruiting of we have, I think, around 12 to 14 in-district schools, and we are rep- we have the student-athletes from every one of those schools pretty close. We haven't had an international student since I've been here, but we have had students as far away as California, Florida, right. and mostly the Midwest. Our majority of our rosters are from. But another statistic, like when I share our success, that people kind of – go wow is the number of student athletes that transfer to a four-year institution because i think that's becoming a a more common goal of our student athletes is moving on to a four-year institution which we had over 30 last year um majority to naia level schools, but we had you know we have a couple d1 a handful of d1 student athletes in the big 10 and mac and such um, and the other thing is how many earn associate's degree? We had over 30 that earned associate's degrees. So, and that will, some of those will go on to four-year institutions just to continue their academic careers. So, you know, there's a whole picture and we've kind of painted the picture in the classroom. You know, we had a 2.97 GPA last year, which is a little lower. We have to get over a 3.0. We've talked about, you know, winning the the all sports trophy for the MCCAA, which we took second last year. Congratulations to, to Grand Rapids. So, you know, there's a whole picture about success, but as we tell our story and we emphasize recruiting, you know, I think it's important to make sure we find a way to paint that picture to, you know, we, we talk about the right side of the scoreboard, but, uh, you know, we, as we know, as you mentioned, you know, especially nowadays with social media, how many, 
you know, even the sportsmanship or the taunting after a play, you know, we're going to talk about officiating at one of these future podcasts, but we laugh, you know, we have technology that officiates, but all the players that make the calls themselves, you know, singling safe or singling not a first down, you know, so yeah, there definitely is a lot of um, celebration and and self-promotion that we don't need to, to do that per se, but we do need to tell our story and I think it would help us even in recruiting to share how successful we have been. Yeah. You, you know, through, through the short time that I've been here through the three years or so, one of the things that I've noticed and especially noticed when I, with fresh eyes was that typically when you see programs that have a lot of success, you know, like LCC athletics has had, you will see people that are carrying, you know, those heavy backpacks, the weight of pressure. And I know I experienced that over the last couple of years too, where there's, there's the expectations are really high. The standards are high. People expect you to do really well. Just the other day, I had somebody telling me that they were preparing for the 2024 college world series. And it just kind of made me crumble inside because I, you know, if it was that easy, everybody would be doing it. And and so when you start focusing on the the right side of the scoreboard or the national championships or any of that other stuff, that's where that kind of really not great pressure comes from. And I've I've at least found in my coaching time that if you can cover a basic need of showing people that they matter, that they're important, that's where the good stuff is. And, and that's where you can kind of alleviate some of these pressures from really successful programs. Well, that's why I keep you on this podcast, because that's a good perspective, Coach Cutter. And and you're right, there is a lot of pressure with winning and unhealthy pressure at yes. times and and that pressure to succeed and, and that expectation. And we've talked about it before on this podcast that sometimes you don't get to celebrate that success because you're relieved because you have been successful. I remember last season as we were going through some stuff, it was Mother's Day weekend and we were at a family event for that. And I, I try to keep a journal. It's a digital journal, but I'm, I'm typing and I'm, I'm just keeping up to date with daily or weekly or whatever it might be. And I, I was rereading that not too long ago. And it was, I was so focused on what was coming up and to talking about how much pressure there was. And I know when that, when we won a super regional and was heading to the college world series, when we won it, instead of having a lot of joy and elation it was it was legitimately relief and and so that's that opposite side that i was talking about so i when i speak about it i feel like you know i've lived it i i know what that looks like and that's kind of a really not a great side to be on and and so if you can focus more on you know what matters and making sure that people understand that they matter you're going to have a lot more happiness and we're all going to have a lot more happiness so that's one of the things that in at lcc that really stands out is is it's not you don't have a lot of people going around and oh we need to be really good this year because we have such great athletic programs it's more focused on what's most important here and and what's our priorities and you do a really good job of kind of laying out what those priorities are in each of our programs. Well, it is important. And we talk about the mental stress of being successful, but there's other aspects too: time and resources. You know, we spend our share of money on travel because yes. our national championships are across the country. So, and our, our college is very supportive of that, but the time involved and, you know, it's a very competitive environment and coaches, 
trying out do each other that they they work constantly to be better you're working on mother's day that's that's a shame coach cutter i take back <laughs> keeping you on this podcast if you're not celebrating your wife See, and no, your I, I thought he was actually going to dive into the fact that he was writing in the journal and not celebrating the event that was going on in the occasion yeah. he didn't even go into that yeah, <laughs> yeah there's there's a cost we there's got work to do there is a cost mm-hmm. in, 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 in many ways so you have to be careful of that and, mm-hmm. and one of the things you know right now we're talking about the big things we've done the national championship the regional championship but it's the little things you know celebrating those little things you know we on our way here we stopped in and checked on the baseball team in study hall that makes me smile i told you that last time why just just seeing them be together seeing them do little things seeing them study seeing them look up at us and smile or seeing some working hard and others on Mm. their phone i mean that's that's the human spirit that's (laughs) life you know and and celebrating that you know we have to find the little things Mm. to celebrate because of the pressure of achieving those big things. Yes. And keeping a journal. I think that's another important aspect of success. And you and I have talked about that. Uh, more and more of our teams are keeping journals, which I think is exciting and something that I try and recommend to coaches of successful teams of writing down certain things that happen during the day or being able to reflect and go back to those. You say you keep a digital journal, not a, a handwritten one. Yeah. I'm just uh, more efficient with typing than I am with writing and I can, I can read it, you know, a year from now or anything. It, it's good for re- reflection. I know just last night I was giving my daughter a ride home from practice and she was saying how energetic she felt today. And, and, and that was somewhat abnormal because usually in the afternoon she gets pretty tired. Mm-hmm. And I started, I said, so, so why is that? What did, what did you do differently this morning? What did you do? do differently last night and we teach that in our program too for people that have a lot of success you know why are you having that success what are you eating how are you sleeping what what's your pregame look like you know what's your mental what are you doing and then when they don't have success and this can apply to anything it's not just baseball or sports it's it's Mm -hmm. life when you're not having success or you're not feeling too great that day you start kind of rewinding it and saying okay well I did this and I didn't do this and I didn't do that and if you start doing that, you can get yourself in a little better spot to have success in your work environment or, you know, on the sports floor or any, anywhere else. And I think that's important. I think it's important to put it out there, whether it's to the world or in your own journal of writing something down. And our volleyball team is keeping a journal and some of the things they're keeping track of are their sleep hours and what they eat, because I don't think our student athletes do enough of reflecting on what they do throughout the day that's helping them get optimal performance. And again, both of those things are little things that will help be successful. They're having one of the best seasons in school history, as we talk about, and it's more than just being on the floor and and winning. You don't know how long their games are going to last. So you have to be prepared for, for every moment. So, um, but yeah, uh, keeping a journal is an important, I think, trait of, of being successful. And we've talked about, being driven and and passionate in the past, finding our why, but stacking wins, celebrating the little things, I think is something you and I have also talked Mm -hmm. about that not enough teams do a good job of. And I think that increases the pressure. You know, there's a fine line as we've talked, you've already brought up backpacks, which is a common theme. Mm -hmm. We're gonna have to give out free backpacks for our, that'll have to be our symbol for our our podcast. As long as they're light. Or journals or, but, um, now I lost my train of thought. Well, it's just, some of it is is the the thinking that you're supposed to act like you've been there before. And if something good happens to you, you're supposed to act like you've 
been there before and they'll and terms are thrown out like class or modesty or different things like that but each of us has a, a really finite amount of time on this earth and you want to be able to uh, enjoy those moments don't save your your best suit for just once a year going out for dinner you know you <laughs> you wh- haven't wh- talked to my wh- wife because she buys stuff <laughs> for when we travel and i think where are people then no i'm right. saving it well right. what if that trip never happens yeah. so i love that point yes yeah. buy something use it wear it the best thing and and, and i didn't mean to interrupt but i I, I agree that joy, happiness, those, mm-hmm. those are important to me. I like smiling. I like mm-hmm. seeing people smile. I, I think I'm funny. I mean, in another world, I would have been David Letterman. That's why I love this mic in front of me, you know. Um, but that's a whole other podcast. But but th- letting kids celebrate. You know, I talked about the unsportsmanship behavior a little earlier when, mm-hmm. you know, maybe kids excessively celebrate. Mm-hmm. But we do have to encourage them to smile and enjoy mm-hmm. and have fun. Some again, those small victories that will will keep us going. Because back to the point, there is a lot of pressure on being successful, and that is a point we talk about in our athletic department. We do have high expectations. We put those expectations out there. All our coaches talk about, you know, achieving at the highest level on a national level, and and I like having that conversation with them, and I appreciate that our staff has that that expectation. I've inherited a lot of our staff. So, you know, that was set before we came here, but it was one of the things that attracted me to this job with the winning and the tradition of this program, which we talked about law of attractions, but there is stuff that goes with that and talking to those coaches and, you know, trying to get to that level. Or, you know, when we go to another place, we all try and learn how other people do it, but we want to be better than that. and being better is another like little acronym we use a lot in our office of being better every day. Yeah. And with those standards you're attracting, you typically will start attracting better people. And there's a reason why you see so many different things that are happening in the community with the LCC athletic teams and and on campus. And there's a reason because the, the winning piece is and those high standards are attracting people that have the the same ideas and they, they want the same for themselves so it's, it just kind of drives its own self and it, it's huge because it could be a local kid or it could be a kid from california or young mm-hmm. adult but right. you know what brings them to campus and as we talked about before we like our campus we feel we have a lot you know i was listening to you you did a nice interview on an hour-long show regarding recruiting what you recruit in baseball and and all the positive things we have here being in downtown lansing having you know for a college student to think that they can get involved with when they come here to campus having michigan state close by which most people think that's a good thing and and it is a good thing it's a great school (laughs) um you know they're doing some great things so and it is an advantage for us to have that association close by athletically and academically as a lot of our kids you know hang out with those kids or you know end up going to school there after they are done here so yeah the the success is something we have celebrated we you know we have the banners in our gym i try and share it in a lot of presentations when i'm trying to do more out in our community our teams are out in the community i know your team with at the the hot cider run this weekend which is a pretty big run actually in this area so i've not done that one maybe that's the next 5k for me so they have a half marathon too if you're interested i've never run a half marathon 10 mile races as far as i've done put it on your calendar next year let's make it happen (laughs) Uh, 
You running with me? I'll go with you. You will? Yep. Did you, the Dalian Yin? Uh, I only run if there's a chainsaw, <laughs> like following me, somebody with a chainsaw. Oh, we can put one in Cutter's hand. Yeah, yeah well, that, that might work then. I, I'll join you then. Well, that, that's a tough It'll make for an interesting run, nothing else. That would be a tough challenge, Cutter. We'll have to talk more about that <laughs> at a future podcast and document our, our training for that. Well, again, we are so fortunate to have success here at LCC, and it, it just makes it easier to say, go Stars. Stars on Sports is recorded live at the WLNZ studios. Engineering and production assistance are provided by Didalian Lowry. You can listen to this episode and other episodes of Stars on Sports on demand at lccconnect.org. To find more information about our athletic program, visit lccstars.com. Thanks for listening. Go, go Stars! This has been a presentation of LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. All shows featured on LCC Connect are recorded at the WLNZ studio, located on LCC's downtown campus. Each program is podcast-based and can be heard anytime at lccconnect.org. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on one of our shows, connect with us by emailing lcc-connect at lcc.edu.